no, in, enjoy it. I mean, you know, plants are lovely things, aren't they? And, you know, we should all really enjoy photography at our own level. And, you know, I would say don't get stressed about trying to make it too perfect, really. It doesn't really need to be. That was Kevin Dutton who joins us on the podcast today. Kevin is a professional photographer of plants um, and his website is well worth going to. If you've ever taken a picture of plants, um, you'll know how tricky it can be. And Kevin uh, well, he basically makes it makes it look easy. Um, and he goes through a little bit about his process of how he goes about it. Um, I'm joining you from our propagation greenhouse. Um, it's a big, big greenhouse right at the beginning of our nursery. Uh, this is pretty much where every single plant we grow starts, whether it be seed or cuttings. Uh, the majority of plants we grow are cuttings, but obviously we do a large range of, of chilies as well. They're all grown from seed. Um, and we're still producing this time of year. And today is the day after the very, very hot weather um, in the greenhouse would have been way above 40 degrees. Not that many of us ventured in there. We got in there fairly early just to do a bit of watering, make sure everything was fine and then try not to go anywhere near the greenhouses because um, it did get very, very hot for the UK at the very least. Um, but Everything's got through it quite nicely and we've done a video as well about trying to sort of save some water uh, over the summer and stop your plants from drying out quite as quickly. So if you pop over to YouTube, you can you can see that now on our YouTube channel and we'll put a link in the show notes for that as well. So without a further ado, let's start the podcast. Hi, you're listening to Plants and Me, the podcast that is all about plants, gardening and the people who are passionate about them with your host, Alan Lodge. Welcome to the podcast, Kevin. Hi, Alan. Glad to be here. Yeah, thank you very much for joining us. What's the weather like with you? Um, it's uh, blazing sunshine here in South London. Uh, I'm in my photo studio at home, which is in the loft of where I live. And I think in about an hour's time, it will be unbearable. So, yeah, good timing. <laughs> Excellent, excellent. So tell us a little bit about you and gardening. Well, I, I grew up in Southampton. Uh, my parents were very keen gardeners. Um, uh, my father, actually, till till the day he died, had a, an amazing uh, sort of uh, perfectly regimented uh, allotment, uh, the sort of thing that you'd see in a kind of ladybird book illustration. It was absolutely immaculate. And... Um, I think sort of, you know, consciously or unconsciously, I just picked up loads of stuff from them as I was growing up. Uh, my mum was a real uh, a plant lover, uh, had a beautiful kind of camellia in the front garden. Uh, you know, particular plants she would chat about, like lily of the valley or a lot of plants that are popular in the sort of you know 60s, 70s and 80s. So I, I think, you know, Quite, quite a bit of it sort of rubbed off on me at that time. Um, I then went to college and then I came to London uh, after graduating. And, you know, it, it's, it's quite a difficult thing if you're interested in plants and you live in a big city like that, because, you know, if you're young, you haven't got much money. Um, there aren't that many opportunities for growing things. But uh, I think I always had, a, like, you know, something like a sort of window box or I grew quite a lot of stuff on a balcony at one point. Um, but I think probably um, the, the big change for me came 
uh, when I was able to get an allotment. Um, this was in about 1998, so I'd probably be about sort of early 30s by that point. And that really changed me. Uh, it's at the Rosendale allotments in uh, Knights Hill, which is uh, in South London. And uh, it's a beautiful place. It's a huge, great plot, by the way. Uh, there are 400 plots on that piece of land and it's a really, really steep hill that goes up and has an incredible view over central London. So it's actually quite an inspiring place to be anyway. But I think that was the point where I really started to get interested in gardening and plants and obviously, you know, fruit and veg were at the, the forefront then. Uh, and then... Um, a little bit later on, uh, a friend of mine, Angela, had a, a beautiful garden um, which was starting to uh, sort of sort of interest me in a lot more kind of unusual and interesting plants, uh, kind of unconventional sort of planting schemes and all sorts of little bits of interest which started me to think, oh, actually, maybe I... I'd, I'd like to do something a bit different now and fortunately when we we then uh, moved to a house with a garden this was about uh, about 15 years ago um, that was another opportunity to do something you know quite different and start experimenting with some unusual plants so you know for, uh, that, that that's pretty much the the sort of plant side of what I do okay and what you haven't mentioned there is you're you're a professional photographer so how does that actually tie in with the gardening yeah well um you know uh, since leaving college uh, I worked as an assistant for an advertising photographer for a few years so I did a lot of studio work at that time uh, and then I left that environment to do something entirely different. I was a portrait photographer for many years where I would work for newspapers or magazines, photographing sort of artists and musicians and politicians and all, all sorts really. Um, uh, and I did that for, for, for quite a while before feeling like for various reasons I wanted to kind of get back into the studio again and do something that was a bit more technically demanding. And at that time, um, or perhaps a little bit later, I then, the sort of penny dropped for me. This is about 10 years ago. And I thought, what, what, hang on, what am I doing here? Why don't I just start doing some sort of still life compositions? I, you know, perhaps something either individual or group studies of the plants that I've been growing all these years and combine these two sort of passions, if you like. And that was the birth of, uh, you know, my botanical photography as it is now. Okay. And is there a market for, for that type of photography? There is, but I think it's quite a niche market. Um, there are certainly... Uh, thousands and thousands of people who take pictures of plants uh, often keen gardeners uh, and there are artists who well sell all sorts of art at all sorts of prices but I've found that um, by uh, basically sort of finding different places to sell them uh, it's, it's, it's become a sort of increasingly successful part of my job at the moment I mean I, I sell some of the stuff myself at fairs or shows uh, and I also have some agents and galleries that sell work uh, in Britain and abroad. So 
I think it's something that I've gradually built up over the years. And yes, there is. I mean, there are people who love art and there's also people who love plants. And in a way, what I'm looking for is that combination of people who are passionate about plants, but also about artwork and, uh, you know, happy to happy to have one of one of my pictures on their walls. Yeah. And you mentioned exhibitions and things like that. And it turns out that we uh, we were both very recently at Hampton Court. So what were you doing there? Well, uh, Hampton Court has, I mean, it's an enormous show, as I'm sure you'll know, and very busy too. Um, I had a stand in the Country Living Pavilion, where there's uh, lots of people have uh, various things on show. And I just had a gallery space. So it was, uh, if you can imagine, a three and a half metre by one and a half metre deep space, uh, white walls. And uh, it was just an opportunity to show uh, my framed work. So maybe about um, 15 or so pictures, which I've put onto the walls. Um, and uh, yes, yeah, just an opportunity to meet lots of people. I think I think Hampton Court has something like 150,000 people attending. So it's obviously a great way to meet people who love their plants. Yeah, definitely. It's, um, I don't know whether it's still known as this, but um, very occasionally used to hear it mentioned as the, the largest garden centre in the world. <laughs> I bet you were rushed off your feet on Sunday, weren't you? Oh, it's uh, yeah, unbelievable. Really, really was. Funnily enough, the the day started off uh, quite drizzly, didn't it? It did. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, did you get to look around, take photos, and things like that? Um, it's funny, you know. I think when you're working and you're as busy as that, um, the show starts at ten. It finishes at seven thirty. Uh, and I live in East Dulwich, so you've got to get all the way over to Hampton Court. Uh, I'm a keen cyclist, so I tended to cycle in every day. So that's an extra, you know, two hours cycling. So that doesn't doesn't give you much uh, time to to really spend looking at the other exhibits, sadly. Although uh, it's funny you mentioned the Sunday morning because that was the one day when I did manage to go around and look at the show. Uh, and of course, um, the the one thing that I was really determined to see at the show was the Beth Chateau drought resistant garden. So it was slightly ironic that I was <laughs> taking all these photographs with it actually raining. <laughs> yes, yeah, not something uh, that really suits that type of garden. <laughs> so when people are walking around their own garden, uh, you mentioned lots of people, keen um, keen amateurs, if that's the right way to put it, and keen gardeners are walking around taking pictures uh, sometimes with their phone and things like that. If, have you got any tips for them taking photos of their garden? Because I have to say, professionally, um, I wouldn't call myself a professional pho- photographer at all because I'm not, but I am a professional grower and we have to take photos to put online and it's remarkably hard. Mm. Well, I mean, to answer the first question, I would just say enjoy it. Um, you know, you don't have to make a living out of photography like I do. Um, just get out there and, you know, enjoy your plants and enjoy doing pictures of them. Um, it's a very, very big world is photography. Um, it goes from people who are taking pictures with a phone uh, or perhaps an old camera uh, right up to you know people like myself who just have you know enormous amounts of sort of very high quality technical equipment um, you know which we're using professionally all the time um, I, I would just say you know yeah just 
just look carefully at the picture, try and um, assess the picture actually as it is, uh, rather than what you're hoping it will be. So I would say, you know, one of the classic problems with a photograph is that you, uh, you know, see a beautiful um, sort of daffodil or something in the foreground, but you, what you don't realise is that there's a kind of red pillar box in the background or, you know, there's a huge kind of white stake which is going right the way through the, the back of the image. So, you know, try and look at the whole image, including its background. But um, no, in, enjoy it. I mean, you know, plants are lovely things, aren't they? And, you know, we should all really enjoy photography at our own level. And, you know, I would say don't get stressed about trying to make it too perfect, really. It doesn't really need to be. Yeah, yeah. And because, uh, I mean, it's something that comes up with us quite a lot. We um, we have a long, long growing season for some of our products. Um, but often we're selling them before they come in flower. Which makes it really hard to get hold of a photo of the of the of the plant. How do you get around that? I'm assuming you might have an idea of what you want to take a photo of, but you've got to wait a long, long time before you can take the photo. Well, patience is the key ingredient, I think, in what I do, and I think you need to realise that, um, you know. Sometimes with a particular plant, you, you're just going to have to wait years to get it right. Um, there's a beautiful Philadelphus in our garden, and I had tried to take photographs of this Philadelphus on so many occasions. Uh, and anyone who's tried to do this uh, will realise it's a kind of legendary plant in terms of the the flowers just almost kind of collapsing as soon as you cut them. Um, and I just had to try again and again to do it. And I think when I when I finally sort of ended up with a successful picture, I think that was pretty much the kind of last attempt. I thought, right, I'm going to try this <laughs> one more time. If you don't work now, forget it. Uh, so, um, yes, I would say patience and a bit of preparation. Um, I mean, one, one quite interesting thing I tell people about what I do is that um, as well as sometimes just going into a garden and seeing if there's something that looks particularly good at that time, uh, I will also have each year uh, a type of plant which I will sort of uh, sort of prepare for and feature. Uh, so last year um, I did a lot of pictures of dahlias, so I had a, a terrace full of dahlias that were growing throughout the summer. Uh, and then the year before that, I did lots of uh, tulips. So I probably had about 100 tulip bulbs all growing in special pots to kind of keep them away from the slugs, uh, making sure they didn't bash into each other. So, yes, I think probably like any, you know, I mean, you know, any gardener will be sort of aware of this, won't they? That, you know, you've got to think ahead and plan for what you may want to do. Uh, you know, in you know six months or a year's time. So, you know, with the tulips, so, you know, I was quite busy sort of working on the type of tulips that I might want to order. Um, and, you know, sometimes the really good ones sell out, don't they, yeah, at that yeah. time of year? So, you know, there, there was one, one particular tulip that I've only managed to photograph this year because I couldn't get hold of the bulbs until uh, last, uh, last August. So, yeah, I think preparation is important with photography as it is with gardening. Yeah, definitely. And do you find, because uh, gardening being seasonal, do you find there's an off-season for you? There is really, yes. Um, there's always 
you know, some plants aren't there that thrive uh, when others aren't doing particularly well. Um, I always have a, a, a bit of a hellebore spree in the sort of February, March time. And it's partly because they do so brilliantly well for such a long period of time when a lot of other plants in the garden haven't quite got going. But I find naturally that people's buying patterns for my photographic prints they take you know people are generally on holiday not that interested in buying artwork in sort of july august early part of september so that's quite a good opportunity for me sometimes to have a bit of a breather go on holiday or if i want to busy myself i will often do quite a lot of the post-production photoshop work on my images that i've taken earlier on in the year um, as you'd imagine, the probably the most busy time of year tends to be April, May, June, in which case I can sometimes stack up a dozen shoots, which I will do. And it takes me a long time to get around to, to, to sort of sorting those out and choosing which pictures to use. And I imagine it's almost how long's a piece of string, but if from the point of view you cut in um, some some flowers and, and arranging them how long does the actual shooting of of the pictures take do you mean just the photo shoot itself or do you mean producing the image actually both would be interesting yeah yeah well um the the first question uh it, needless to say it can vary but mm. it tends to be quite quite quick um I think I spend a lot of time looking at plants in the garden and just trying to work out when they're absolutely at their best. Um, something like an iris, you know, they're very likely, isn't it, that it'll only be looking really amazing for like a day or two, and then suddenly it's you've lost it or it's gone. Um, another one might be something like. Um, Crocosmia lucifer, mm -hmm. which is a favourite plant of mine. There's a particular moment where I absolutely love it, where like the first flowers are just starting to come out. But if again, if you leave it for a few days, it's you know I, I find they're a little bit overcooked and they they don't look quite so so um, spectacular. So um, so yeah, it can vary. Some some plants I will do where it's all over in an hour. Um, some more complicated floral displays, which uh, you, you could probably see on the website, uh, take a lot longer to gradually build up. And uh, there are some displays where I will put them into place, photograph them, and then I will leave them to see what happens as, you know, particularly in the case of flowers, they expand. So there's a, a, a tulip picture that you'll see on my website um, that does very well for me. It's very brightly coloured sort of oranges and pinks. And that is a plant composition where I put it into place and then it was actually left there for about four or five days. And I just kept photographing it as it got more and more open. And then, you know, just before it started to completely collapse, that happened to be the, the, right, um, the right time to photograph it. Now, to answer the second part of the question, um, I, I often quite like to leave it quite a long time before I come back to the pictures. Um, you know, when you've spent three days 
taking a photograph of <laughs> one picture, uh, it's very easy to get it into your head that it has to be good because you spent a long time on it. And that is not the case. Sometimes a picture is good in half an hour. Sometimes you spend three days on a picture and it is still rubbish. So I need to be able to look at that picture completely objectively. And sometimes I will leave that over six months, uh, come back to it, look through the shoots, and then I'll go to a particular shoot where I may have done, I don't know, maybe something like 25 or 30 individual images of it in various states. And it's that point that I need to be cold and look at that picture and say, um, does it work? Is it doing something that I haven't done already? Um, you know, do I respond to it emotionally? Are people, you know, are people going to look at this and love it? You know, is it better than something that I've done before? You know, if it's a tulip picture, is it is it doing something different than what I've done before with tulips? So yes, often a very long time, and then um, you know, I'll, I'll then you know do various amounts of work in Photoshop just to sort of tidy them up really I, I'm not an enormous fan of image manipulation because I think the the main thing needs to be the plant itself and the, the beauty of it but I think you know often if you've got um you know a load of kind of marks or dirt or muck or just something that's distracting I will often use photoshop to remove those distracting details yeah, and I imagine the world of photography has changed a massive amount uh, in the period of time you've been doing it, and Photoshop's probably one big thing. It is, yes. Um, I just see it as part of photography now. Um, I don't have any ideological problem with using Photoshop. Um, you'll see quite a lot of my pictures have uh, a black background behind them, and I will use Photoshop to make sure that every part of that black background is completely jet black. So. Um, you know, you, you can uh, you, you can achieve certain types of perfection when you use Photoshop, but you just need to be careful that you don't go mad with it and it, it ends up not being a, a sort of natural feeding photograph. And you mentioned uh, you had an allotment. Have you still got that allotment? Yeah, I do. It's gradually turned more into a fruit allotment than a vegetable allotment. Uh, we have... Um, Beautiful, mature uh, apple trees, got a green gauge. Uh, there's a bay tree, which is uh, probably in danger of completely taking over. Any, anyone who's grown a bay tree before will know that they grow very, very fast. Uh, and uh, my wife is a very keen allotment uh, gardener, so she should really take the credit for some amazing crops of blueberries, black currants, red currants, white currants, uh, incredible gooseberries. Uh, yeah, she really um, is fantastic at that side of things. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's it, it's by no means uh, my father's allotment. I, I, I'm, <laughs> I've, I've given up trying to compete with that level of perfection. But I it's, think uh, very little allotments are like that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's a lovely place to be and it's a little bit more kind of scruffy and informal and I often go up there to sort of go in search of unconventional plants that I can add to my composition so you know if there's a um, uh, if there's a little thistle or you know a, a bramble or something that I can cut and put into my compositions then then that's absolutely fine. Excellent and it's interesting you say your compositions I would um, uh, 
I was looking over your website and it struck me that potentially, I don't know whether you'd call yourself this, but you have to be an element of a florist as well. Is that right? People often ask me this, but I have absolutely no floristry skills at all. And um, I I don't really want to be a florist. Uh, I think if I did a, a floristry course and I became competent as a florist, I think I would put the compositions together in a different way. Um, I think they would be probably technically better formally, but in in a way, I, I I'm I'm quite happy to be a, a not very good florist. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's um it's an interesting thing because it, it as I'm looking through it, I was thinking, I wonder if if um, Kevin does those himself. You obviously do. I do. Yes, everything that I photograph, all the pictures that you'll see in my work are all grown either in my garden or in my allotment and they're all composed by me and photographed by me that that's what it's all about really in, in my art uh, i just like the idea that you you do everything yourself i did originally actually start off by photographing lots of plants from a florist uh, and they were absolutely amazing specimens but they just felt a little bit cold actually and I think it'd probably be a bit the same if I did a, a really stunning floral display. I think it would be a sort of a level of sort of perfection, but I don't think they would have that sort of, um, uh, well, what I, what I hope is a, a, a bit more of an emotional resonance that comes from one person just growing plants that they love, looking for a moment when they just look like they're very beautiful and then trying to present them in a way which can I guess last you know they're they're preserved aren't they 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 go on a wall and they'll be on that wall for years for the people that buy them uh, and um and so uh you know I mean you you will know all the the amazing pictures that you'll see in a really uh, fantastic florist uh, lilies for example plants like that um, I don't. I don't particularly want to have that sort of um, sort of perfection in my compositions. I, I, I think probably increasingly over time, I'll be doing pictures that will be less formal. They'll have more weeds in. They'll have more brambles. They'll have more things that sort of are unconventional or, you know, possibly a little bit on the messy side. But that's that's what I'm into. That's what I want to do. Mm. Excellent. And you mentioned the exhibits um, where people can see your your photos um, and things like that. Um, can they see them anywhere else? Um, yeah, they can actually. I mean, I, I, I'll always be sort of um, preparing for one show or other. Um, I suppose the next one that's coming up will be um, a, a show uh, in London. Uh, the RHS uh, have their annual botanical art show at the Lindley Hall. Um, I think it's going to be on uh, the 23rd to the 25th of July this year. And uh, I will be one of the finalists in the photography competition. Uh, and I'll have a portfolio of images of hellebores. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that and I'm just uh, preparing the framing for those. Um, I'd have to say, by the way, if anyone's never been to that show, uh, as well as the photography, uh, it also includes the botanical illustration uh, 
uh, part of the art show and some of the artists in that are out of this world so um yeah yeah e even if you don't come and look at my pictures uh, come and look at those uh, botanical illustrations because there's some absolutely stunning work on show and there's people that will enter both shows uh, that will be coming from all around all around the world to exhibit so it really is a a, a global a global show excellent and it's a beautiful hall uh, yes, yeah, it's a lovely place, isn't mm. it? I don't know whether anyone um, remembers that on on the BBC they used to have. Um, I'm not sure what they call those sequences where they introduce a program, but they had a, a woman uh, sort of doing acrobats down a red bit of cloth in a hall. Yes. That was filmed there. Uh, yes, I know what you mean. Yeah, like the kind of little sort of BBC Two idents. Yes, that's the word. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that was filmed in in those halls. Um, we used to do shows there, and we did one uh, a couple of years ago as well. Um, it's a really, really nice. Um, it's it's quite nice when you compare it to the other shows as well. It's a little bit informal. Um, it is, yeah. Uh, slightly smaller, so yeah, I think people should definitely go along to that. Um, yeah, really, really good. Can they still do the tours around the um, library? I wonder. I don't know. I do know that the. Um, uh, the Lindley Hall is where the archive is, where a lot of sort of books and literature are stored. So, yes, I'm sure that wouldn't be a problem. Uh, another thing worth mentioning is that, that I think they still do the RHS Autumn Show there, which is quite an interesting one to see. I think that's in October. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And we always ask a few regular questions. Um uh, sometimes we're asking professional gardeners. Obviously, you're a, you're a professional photographer, but you're very keen on the gardening. Um, so when you're walking around the garden or your allotment, is there a particular tool that you like to carry around? Uh, well, I have an ageing pair of um, Felco secateurs, probably like every other gardener. <laughs> They they tend to sort of be on the lawn somewhere as I'm gardening. Um, when my wife and I got married, uh, the um, you know I wasn't particularly that interested in getting a sort of dinner service or a sort of new dishwasher. But what I did put on the list was a really uh, large. Uh, sort of collection of Sneebor uh, garden tools, which is this Dutch company that makes very tough sort of uh, sort of forged um, iron uh, uh, garden, uh, uh, you know, um, trowels and forks and spades and things like that. So there's usually like half a dozen of those lying around, which I will grab uh, um, as I as I work in the garden. So uh, yeah, still going strong after all these years. Excellent. Yeah, they're fantastic things, definitely. Um, and when you got into, uh, you can take this as gardening or photography, actually, it'd be interesting uh, from both both aspects. Um, but was there a particular person or a book or some literature that got you in inspired with it? I think artistically speaking, there are two things that inspire me. The Dutch Golden Age paintings of the 1600s were their photographic precision in the way that they painted their subjects I still think is a stunning thing to see and uh, it is always something that blows me away uh, and the other part of it is the culture of botanical illustration that's gone on for so many years as well with, with its almost sort of forensic precision with like little sort of um, 
details like roots or kind of seeds and things like that. So I think sort of creatively, those two things have inspired me. In terms of the actual gardening, um, there's a friend of mine, Angela, who uh, has a fantastic kind of garden near to where I live. And I think when I had my allotment, uh, she was starting to experiment with some unusual kind of plant types. And I think that kind of led me to sort of want to do something uh, a, a, a bit like that and to maybe start photographing these unusual things. Um, and then I think in terms of gardeners themselves, I suppose like a whole generation of creative people and uh, gardeners, I think the garden at Beth Chateau uh, near Chelmsford has been almost like a religious uh, pilgrimage for me <laughs> to go there and see what she has done. Uh, absolutely decades ahead of her time in terms of thinking thoughtfully about how you do planting in relation to whether it needs watering, um, you know, tailoring plants to a specific environment and being realistic about what you can have in your own garden. Uh, I also think she's an absolute genius in terms of her compositional um, sort of approach to gardening. Uh, and of course, you know, you can't really mention Beth Chateau without mentioning Christopher Lloyd and his garden at Dixter, which has been a similar sort of experience for me. You know, you go there and you just think, yes, this is what it's all about. This is what I want to do. And yes, in some ways you go to these places and you think, oh gosh, they've got these enormous great gardens and, you know, I'll never be able to do it quite like they do. But actually, the, the net result of it is that you're inspired, aren't you? Mm. And it inspires you in your own way, on a smaller scale, lower budget, just to try and, you know, sort of try and try and do something that's as creative as they do. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, both of those are fantastic gardens. Yeah, they well are, worth yeah. a visit. Yeah. Um, and another question we always ask um, is about failures. Um, now, <laughs> everyone's always got failures in gardening. Um, so have you got any of your own? Oh, I have hundreds of failures. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I haven't listed them. <laughs> but uh, no, too, too numerous to mention, really. Uh, I have clay soil in my garden at home and there are loads of plants. Uh, which I've tried to force on my clay soil uh, with disastrous results. Uh, Achillea, very fashionable plant at the moment. Uh, I would like to have uh, an Achillea pomegranate, which everyone seems to be buying at the moment, but I'm not going to buy one because apparently they can't stand the slightest sniff of, uh, of clay. And uh, there's other things like uh, verbascums, gowras, uh, loads of things like that I've tried to essentially try and squeeze into too small a garden i would say if i've if i've made one big mistake in my gardening career <laughs> no not career just my gardening <laughs> but the the mistake i've made is really to try and jam too much into a into a small space and you know the the inevitable result of that is that things will die won't they or just not survive i'm always going out into the garden thinking what was that Verbascum that I put in? <laughs> I, I, I wanted to photograph that year, that this year, and it's just not there. Yeah, it's. I think it's very, very hard um, to not get carried away. I think it's probably the way of putting it, isn't it? And to, especially when you visit these uh, these big gardens, or or maybe go to a big flower show and you see these these grand designs and things like that. It's 
there's a bit of a knack to actually getting the same sort of feel, but in a uh, a smaller setting. Yes. In fact, another thing I'm terrible for is buying trees and then keeping them in pots for ages. <laughs> yeah. So in my back garden at the moment, I'm completely redoing the back garden. So maybe finally some of these trees will kind of find their way into soil rather than the pot. But yeah, so it's, it's, it's a shame, you know, it, you know, in my, in my sort of other life, I, I'm, I have this enormous pine artum where I've got kind of hundreds of these lovely conifer trees, but actually the reality is that they're, there, there, there just isn't really space. So, um, I finally settled on a Pinus Mugo, which I'm going to put in my bed, which is nice and small. <laughs> so I hope that's a bit more practical. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, so where can people find out about you? Uh, well, online is probably the best place to start. Um, I've got a website, uh, kevindutton.net. Uh, that has lots of information on, uh, shows that I'm doing plants that I'm photographing and it also has an online gallery uh, where you can buy um, prints from me. Uh, I sell all my images in four different sizes from A4 up to 30 by 40 in limited edition print runs. Uh, so there's an online gallery there that people can buy from if they're interested. Uh, if you're an Instagrammer or Twitterer, um, at Dutton Photos, is my um, account for both of those. Uh, and I'm also on Facebook, uh, which is Kevin Dutton Photography. So I think those uh, things are, are probably the best things to contact me online. Uh, the other thing worth mentioning possibly is that I'm gonna be, I do quite a bit of teaching. Uh, I've been, I've taught um, botanical photography at the V&A for the last couple of years, uh, which I usually do in the springtime. Uh, but I'll also be doing a uh, leading a botanical photography course at the West Dean College in uh, Sussex, uh, and that's going to be at the end of August. Uh, I think the dates are 30th of August to the 1st of September. So if anyone would like to try their hand at a bit of botanical photography, um, then uh, perhaps they could uh, they could contact Westine or uh, look it up on my website where there'll be a bit of information. Uh, it's basically a three-day course where you can uh, uh, learn all about it. Excellent. Brilliant. Well, thanks very much for joining us, Kevin. It's been really kind of you. And that's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for joining us on the Plants and Me podcast. We'll be back soon. If you can't get enough of all things plant-related, pop over to plants-uk.co.uk. And if you enjoy our podcast, don't forget to subscribe and rate us.